Once again, in our continuing Beaver Bites series, this one will be presented commercial-free. We'll have an ad for you at the beginning and the end. So please enjoy today's program. Thank you. Hey there, Mr. Grizzly. Hey, Mr. Beaver, how you doing? I'm doing really well. Hey, uh, did you get something in the mail lately? Yes, um, Miss V Mysteries. I yeah, little... I did too. Awesome. Bedside reading. Yes. Um, for those who don't know, the Miss V Mysteries is an LGBTQ plus cozy mystery series written by Delilah Knight. Miss V is 60, trans, and classy, sassy, and a bit smartassy. From her kitten heels to her chic bob, Miss V is a lady through and through. When her late aunt's lawyer is found murdered, and clutching V's favorite Chanel jacket, she is immediately arrested. Can she find the real killer before the local law puts her away for good? Will she be forced to trade 50s rock and roll for jailhouse blues? Do prisons even have a happy hour? Well, none of the ones I've been in. Wait, what? What? There's a story there. No. We'll talk about that after the ad. Miss Fee and the Letras Lawyer is the first book in a humorous, cozy mystery series from by ace author Delilah Knight. On sale now wherever ebooks are sold. Paperback copies are also available or call your local library and ask them to get it in. Signed copies available at www.corvidmoonpublishing.com. That's www.corvidmoonpublishing.com all in one word, dot com. The Miss V Mysteries. You need to be reading it. Well, hello, kits. And welcome to Beaver Bites, yet one more bite. As we mentioned before, we wanted to do a final recap Uh, talking about uh, some interesting tidbits about the election, uh, some strategy and where the parties stand, and uh, some speculation about cabinet. And uh, so in the previous episode, we took care of the first part, and uh, we had left off uh, right around the time I was uh, speaking about my uh, experience uh, working at a polling place. And uh, Mr. Grizzly, uh, you had some interesting things to say uh, about... How Elections Canada is, uh, you know, effectively unassailable. Yeah, really. Um, so that's where we left it off. So we're going to pick up from there, and uh, we hope that you enjoy the show. Well, I, I've had friends who've worked for Elections Canada and said the integrity there is like second to none, second yeah. to none. They, they. Uh, uh, every individual who works for Elections Canada, like permanent employees, feel um, A, honored, and B, we have to walk a line. Yes. And, we are the body that everybody calls around the world when they need their elections monitored. Yes. We're the ones they call. We walk There's the line. We made the line. We walk the line. We don't mess around with it. Elections Canada and Statistics Canada. Now, I, I did see some fringe elements of individuals throughout this country going, the fix was in. I'm like, oh, st- don't. Don't even begin with that because uh, you know how I do not tolerate intolerance. Sometimes mm-hmm. I can be intolerant and I can be intolerant of garbage like that because I know that the integrity 
of Elections Canada is unquestionable. It's unassailable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you start making that accusation, you remember how I said sometimes violence is necessary? <laughs> <laughs> mm, yes, I, I'm. I'm leaning. I, I can't say. I, I can't say. I entirely disagree. But it, it fights with my inner pacifist. I, I, I'm a pacifist. I am. I am. But every now and then, somebody needs to get a slap in the face because they. <laughs> you can tell them. You can. You can show them all the proof there is. You can show them all the integrity. You can show them all everything. Here's all the spreadsheets. Here's everything. It, no, I still don't believe you. Smack. I mean, if we're, if we're talking about yeah, the, the share snap out of it for Moonstruck, yeah, a lot of people deserve one of those. That's what I'm getting. That's and that's what I'm getting at. That's exactly what I'm getting at. Yeah. Give your damn head a shake. Well, you know what? Speaking of people who need to give a head a shake, let's talk about some of the parties. <laughs> let's talk about some of the parties. How was that for smooth? <laughs> that was a that was a good segue, my friend. That was a very good segue. Um, we want to go over uh, the seven major parties because uh, in our very first episode, we had done that. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. You know, we had uh, around uh, budget time. Uh, we thought that an election may be coming maybe in the summer or a little earlier. So we had prepared a little episode. We did a lay of the land, uh, you know, where the parties were, what might be, you know, the things that they may trip, that may trip them up, what could be some opportunities for them, what can be some outcomes. Uh, so... Uh, let's go through them again, and we'll start from, well, we'll just start from, <laughs> you've got the first one. Read it out loud, Mr. Grizzly, use that voice. Um, I, I have nothing to read. You have nothing to read? No. <laughs> it's, it, I, it's not on my, my script. Oh, okay. Well, then here we go. I'd the love to read party. it, but I can't see it. Okay, I'll whisper it to you. Maverick party. Yeah, I, I, I still don't see it. <laughs> the Maverick Party. There's a Maverick Party. Yes, there we go. Where were they? That was my comment. Oh, oh, okay. I, right, zoom right over my head. Where were they? Seriously, After there was none. You had the Buffalo Declaration. You had this whole Wexit big thing. It made the press. You know, like this. Jay oh, Hill those people. Guy. Yeah, like not one peep. Yeah, I did completely forgot about one them. One interview in the entire election didn't see one story in the paper that I stumbled upon. Didn't hear CJ Hill on my TV once. What happened to them? Where'd they yeah. go? I can like literally completely forgotten about them. Maybe it's because I've had a number of concussions throughout the years as a hockey player <laughs> and a soccer player. But uh, short-term memory is great. I'm sorry. What was your name again? Um, but the thing is, Reginald. <laughs> Reginald. Oh. Hello, Reginald. How are you? Um, yeah, I did nothing. I heard nothing. Like, like, I heard less than nothing, and my ears ring because I have tinnitus, <laughs> and I heard nothing. Yep, don't know where they are. Next, People's Party of Canada. Uh -huh. um, yeah, I know, I know, but we have to talk about them. Um, well, start smart strategic move, I guess, for that party was you know, latching on to the anti-mask, anti-sentiment to help them grow the party. But if you remember, I think we mentioned something in the last uh, episode that uh, they were at 5% in the Election Canada account mm. for the total vote. And I was kind of wishing that it would just be 4.9 for the, you know, just for the Senate. Yeah. It happened. Yeah. 
when the results from the recount came in, it happened. Oh, they dropped. <laughs> they got 4.9. Nice. When all the final ones were in, there was like 15 polls that had waited to be counted like for like six or seven days and they just weren't counted. Then finally it was like final results. And it's like, it was 4.9. And that means there is some uh, provoked funding that kicks in at 5%. So they don't get it. And if we had a German state proportional representation model, which is 5%, they would not have gotten in. See, and they would have found out like about 18 days or 15 days after the election. Oh, sorry. So, so in a way to football. Ordinarily, I would feel guilt, uh, Irish Catholic guilt, for reveling in somebody's failure. Ordinarily, I would feel that. I don't feel that this time. I don't. Because these are terrible people. They're terrible people. They are. The last thing we need is for them to get a foothold in Parliament. They're intolerant of everything that doesn't look like me. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I yep. I know how I look, but I'm not that. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the start smart strategic move for this one. I don't know if there's a second act, however, uh, because I assume we won't. God, please tell me that we won't have a pandemic come next election. Uh, <laughs> so uh, please. Uh, so I don't know million dollars, six hundred million dollars. Oh, shut up! Yeah. And Bernie did worse in his writing this time than he did last time. So I have a f- and in this, like we said in the final days of his campaign, he was out west. So I have a feeling that if Bernie runs again, if he stays at the lead of this party, and why not? It's a vanity project for him, and he's independently wealthy. That he will run in Saskatchewan next election. Like Leslie he's a Lewis. self-avowed libertarian. What the hell is he doing in government? Libertarians don't believe in government, but he's running for government. Like the man doesn't, he's like, I'm a libertarian. You clearly don't understand the meaning of, I I do not think you uh, understand what you think that word. (laughs) What's the line from Princess Bride? Mm -hmm. Mandy Patinkin. Uh, You keep using that word. I do not think you know what that word means. Yeah, I don't think that word means what you think it does. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I'm a libertarian, Uh, but you're in politics that, that's not what libertarianism is. Libertarianism is... <laughs> Anarchists unite. <laughs> <laughs> Anarchists unite. Um, uh, um, but... Um. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and, you know, in particular, in, you know, in typical Bernie fashion, he particularly imploded after the election. He went on this big meltdown rant where he actually ended up doxing people. Yeah, I saw that. And you know what? He got to go. Sometimes violence is necessary. <laughs> if I, anybody needs a slap. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if this party has a life, if Bernie doesn't exist anymore. If it, I don't know if there's a, some type of structure for succession eventually or all that type of stuff. There is, I guess, room if one wants that for an honest libertarian party, but I think we already have one. Um, and this one is not it. It's still it's libertarian party. This is not libertarian. <laughs> this is this is just a don't tread on me. I don't like adults in the room party. It's a, yeah the the, the QAnon party. QPC even if whatever. Yeah. Anyway, next Green Party of Canada. Well, uh, this is 
enemy Paul is the first federal casualty, mm-hmm. but not the first casualty of the election. That was Lurch in Manitoba, who really couldn't get out fast enough. Eh? He completely resigned. Yeah. He's like, yeah, deuces, I'm out of here. Uh, so, yes, the province of Costa Manitoba Rica has left Confederation and Manitoba, <laughs> Manitoba has returned. Uh, <laughs> But she's gone. Uh, We were, I was wondering how much blame she was going to put on the prime minister's, uh, at the prime minister's doorstep for what happened. She, none. Yeah, it was like. None in her, mm -hmm. in her, uh, in her step down. Uh, But uh, I I still smell the wood from the burning bridge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. uh, Again, I, I have no no. Yeah, I know you're not going to say anything yeah. on this. Um, I have always given the benefit of the doubt that Miss Paul, that the reason for which that there was turmoil at the beginning is that she probably came in and tried to impose a um, you know a vertical structure on mm-hmm. a party that's inherently horizontal. Just rubbed a lot of people the wrong way very quickly, and they said no. Um, yeah, that. That's my being generous. Like this, there could be all that other stuff in it, but that's you know she's not a bad person. Who just knows? Made a bad first impression. And everybody just said no. I quite uh, like her. I quite like her. I've seen her I, in one-on-one interviews. She's very engaging. She's very personable. Um, I, I, I I've enjoyed. I've enjoyed watching her in in like literally one-on-one interviews, and I yes. thought she did very well in the French language debate. Yes. Yeah. yeah. She, she, you know, it, it's hard to give your best performance when you don't want to be there. Yeah. Right. And at the yeah. end of the last week, I was wondering if she was like loosening up more because she, she, she could see the finish line. And I think really that's what it was because there were some interviews even after the election before and, and she was just so much more relaxed. Just oh, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Incredibly relaxed. Um, the one problem I'm having is that there's a lot of um, sniping about Elizabeth May. Uh, you know, she didn't support her. She did this. She did that. Um, truth is, we don't know, right? We're not. A the whole the problem with this is that we don't know, right? Yeah. Nobody's talking. We don't know what it is that enemy Paul did that got people's backs up. We do not know what it is that made the council want to do that. We do not know. Uh, Elizabeth May has now come out said and you know come out since and said that she was asked not to say anything. Uh, but we don't know if that's true. We don't know if that's not true. We don't, but, but that's the whole thing is we don't know. Mm-hmm. Everybody that's saying that Elizabeth May didn't support her, didn't betray, betray her, did this to that is literally just projecting whatever they want to be onto the narrative because everybody's been so damn tight lipped. Yeah. We, we, we don't know. We don't know. So we still don't know if Anna Mae Paul supports the fact that the green party was supposed to become Zionist under her or not as Noah's Aspen said, we don't know. We don't know, right? So nobody's been saying anything. Um, Indeed. Uh, on the upside, as we mentioned before, they now have a bit of a base in Ontario. Yes, they do. And and he was uh, elected, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't it kind of like a landslide? Uh, well, yeah, it was the, the, the writing in which uh, the first liberal candidate um, uh, got thrown off the mm-hmm, uh, well mm-hmm. was thrown off by the party and that candidate endorsed the green candidate and then things switched up from there um so yes the greens do not have jenica atwin 
uh, in Fredericton and they no longer have Paul Manley in BC, but Elizabeth May is still in BC. They still have uh, the provincial uh, legislature in Prince Edward Island where there are some green uh, um, green uh, members of the provincial legislature, mm -hmm. I believe, that are forming the opposition, I believe. I might, I'm not quite sure what that is. I'm not up to speed. I might be wrong on that. Um, yeah, I'm probably wrong on that, actually. Um, but there, you there are wrong. Green, Never. No. Yes. But there are some Greens elected provincially in the in the in the Atlantic provinces. So the mm -hmm. fact that mm -hmm. that one's not there federally. So now they, with all the mess that happened, there is still a pocket of support in British Columbia from which they can work and not to Canada from which they can work and now a bigger one in Ontario which yes. from which they can work. So with a good leader, this party is not dead yet. And even though the vote share was low, we have to remember that was only on 252 candidates. Mm -hmm. So who is the next leader though? That's the, that's the curiosity. Like who do they bring in next? Yet. And apparently, uh, if, to hear Elizabeth May tell it, uh, Paul has resigned, not resigned. Huh? Yet. Yeah, apparently there are next steps that the party should be able to take now that Paul has said that she's resigned, but officially it seems that she's publicly resigned, but she hasn't signed any papers officially saying that she's oh, resigning yet. Okay, so, so theoretically? Going on. I, that's all I know. Again, again like I... I, I it's, not, it's not a clean break, so it's still messy. Hmm. I had so much hope, uh, and then stuff happened that I'm not commenting on mm -hmm. because no one wants to hear my thoughts on it, and quite literally because, and, and this is the honest-to-goodness truth, because I realized nobody really wants to hear what an old white man has to say about this because I have, I shouldn't be involved in this, right? But the, the whole point is that there's nothing to say because we literally know nothing. Indeed, indeed. So We're filling in blanks. So at that point, I just kind of like I'm going to tune out. I'm going to tune out so that so that anything that is said from here on out will not color my um, impression, thought process, ideology, whatever you have. Uh, as long as I am not paying attention to what's going on, it won't affect what I think of this person. Because I, I had I held her in very high regard, mm -hmm. and then yeah, everything I don't think went weird. You can judge her personally about what has happened, right? Like Things went really weird, and I'm like, no, I'm out, I'm out. Like I'm I'm doing a media block embargo of all of it. I want nothing to do with this. By all accounts, this was just weird, very weird. <laughs> now the question has to be placed: Were she a um, candidate from? Calgary Mindapur? I don't know. Oklaberta? I don't know. Would don't would know. would would the media it would you know were yeah, she were she Michelle Rempel, would anybody have is what I'm getting at. Yeah. But possibly and possibly not, right? It could, like, to me, it's like the Green Party of Canada and the Conservative Party of Canada situation may not be that far off. It's just maybe that the membership of the Green Parties just have much more intestinal fortitude to throw their leader overboard. Yeah, I think so. Because well, Conservatives it, it, are not enamored with their leader right now either. Well, can we stop calling them the Conservative Party? Because they're not the Conservative Party. They're the Reform Party. 
yeah, I know that, but uh, I, 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 I know. We we both know that we both know that the you know there's not much conservative about the conservatives these days is pretty much the theme when we talk about them. And but, I get I get the titles, but I think shouldn't it be important that we inform the populace that this is not the conservative party that Jean uh, Jean Chrétien campaigned against. But we do. We mention it pretty much every time we talk about it. Yeah, I know. Ad nauseum. <laughs> we do. Yeah, you're right. We we believe in having a well-advised audience. Well, yeah. Um, hey, it matters. It matters. It does matter. It's very important. It matters. Uh, it, an informed populace can make an informed decision. If you're not informed, you can't make an informed decision, right? I beware. Well, it 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 it, it harkens back to um, uh, the the opening episode of the very uh, of the newsroom. Remember the newsroom? I didn't get to watch that one. Okay, you've never seen it? No, I never have. I know it's amazing, but I never got to see it. Okay, so the very first episode of the uh, episode episode of the newsroom. I was blending words together. The very first episode of the newsroom. It's a. Um, uh, they have a like a, a discussion at a college, and it's it's like um, the, one character is like uh, Peter Mansbridge, if you will. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, one character is like a uh, conservative Breitbart thinking individual, and the other character is like a um, uh, Elizabeth Manley. Eliz- uh, Elizabeth Manley, that was the figure skater. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean Elizabeth Manley. Uh, Green Party leader, uh, former Elizabeth May. Thank May. you. Wow, too many thoughts in my brain. Uh, and so they're they're having a Q and A at a, uh, a university somewhere in the U.S. and it's in a big theater. And the final question is, uh, what makes America the greatest country in the world? Yes, yes, I remember. I've I've heard this clip. Right. So the, the, yes. So the, the the conservative guy goes, freedom and freedom. And the other woman goes, freedom and opportunity. And they look at uh, at the uh, the newsman character, the the, the uh, anchor man, and he's like, um, the New York Jets. And they're like, come on, you're not leaving till you give me a proper answer. He goes, uh, well, he says freedom and freedom, and she says freedom and opportunity. And uh, quite frankly, it's neither of those. And then he goes on this like five minute rant, mm-hmm. where he spits facts he goes there is nothing to support the statement that america is the greatest country in the world we're 56 in this 256 in this and he goes on and on and on for five yeah. minutes and it was written by um the guy who wrote for the uh, the west wing aaron sorkin thank you yep too many hits in the head <laughs> i know who these people are but i can't think of their names when i need to and it, it is literally a brilliant speech. And, and if you go back in time and you can look at the speech when it was made at the time and, and do fact-checking, and he is 98% accurate on it. Mm-hmm. Which makes me think that do we have a, a sense of a self-inflated sense of uh, how wonderful we are when we're not that wonderful? I know we're not the United States of America. I know we're Canada. I know we're the, the smaller nation, the, the neighbors to the north. I know we live above a meth lab. We're the nice neighbors above the meth lab. But do we have a sense of self-inflated um, importance? Uh, 
I know that each year we win this best country in the world to live in, but are we living up to that? Mm-hmm. Good questions. Sorry, I got philosophical there. Sometimes happens, you know. No, that's that's the whole point. That's why I wasn't upset by having the political exercise when everybody was going, why an election? Why? It's, it's never... It's, it's, a, it's the one time where we're allowed to look at our belly buttons. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. Right. Um, Navel-gazing. So yeah, pardon? Navel-gazing. Navel-gazing, yeah. So I don't know what's going to happen to the Greens uh, at the moment, and there's a lot of people are wondering whether or not there's even a reason for them to exist, given that every party seems to have adopted Green, uh, but not every party has adopted Green as much as they should, so yes, <laughs> they still need to be there. It's a lot of greenwashing, um, right? Hmm? Greenwashing? Yeah, Exactly. Uh, and then we have the NDP and we have the Conservatives, uh, and I want to talk to talk about them together first before separately, because uh, they ran the same campaign. They did. It's just um, I, I don't understand that. So both of them borrowed from Trudeau in the past, right? Campaign slogans, strategies, mm -hmm. uh, approaches. Uh, there was some attempts at sunny ways by both of them. Uh, you know. Uh, it's it's like Singh ran as Trudeau from 2015, but super negative, and Gotul ran as Trudeau from 2019, but we're 2021. Uh, both of them had the seeds of their own defeats sown right into their party platforms, right from the get-go. Uh, both of them uh, self-owned themselves with oh, yeah. their platforms. Uh, by releasing them early, uh, the Conservatives more than the NDP, but they both did, uh, which left them uh, scrambling at the end, either avoiding questions or making policy on the fly. Uh, and both of them led uh, leader or personality-focused campaigns versus policy. Indeed. Uh, I mean, O'Toole even put himself on the damn cover. Yeah, Um you know, it's, you can't choice. get any more. Don't look at the brand of my party. Look at me, right? I'm a new leader with a new approach. Like this, it's, it's like he was trying to hide the brand of his party as much as possible in that. So, do you remember the 1999 um, uh, film, which was a um, a reinterpretation of Pygmalion? My Fair Lady. She's uh, all that. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, she's all that. Yes. Okay, so an actor who I've come to quite admire as a human being, because when I've seen him in interviews, he's, he's very personable. He's very real. Uh, and it was, uh, uh, the character of Brock. I can't remember his name. And he was in, uh, he was on, uh, MTV's the real world. And he had a tattoo of himself on his shoulder. And he's like, me, 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 me. And he's at a party and he starts dancing and he's a terrible dancer and he's me, me. And uh, he was in Scream. Uh, Matthew Lillard. Thank you, Matthew Lillard. Yes. You remember him. You remember that yeah, character, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me, yeah. me, me, me. I'm like, yeah, that kind of, that's exactly what the uh, Conservative Party did in this election. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, you know, um, both of them did this. Both of them didn't have good results, right? The NDP did all that and spent so much more money for one more seat. The Conservatives did that for two fewer. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, both of them 
leaders now are having their leaderships questioned. Uh, the Conservatives more than the NDP. I'm actually surprised at how little the NDP is actually considering at the moment. It started off strong, but it died off very fast. Yeah, yeah. Fast. Uh, so it looks like they're going to keep him, which I, but we'll get back. Uh, I, I don't understand. Now, on the upside, the NDP's vote share was up. They were the only party to get more votes than they did last time, and this in a lower turnout election. So, so step in the right direction? Step in the right direction, but still, you know, not hitting the 20%. Mm-hmm. Um, the NDP did not live up. It was the mirror of the previous election where they thought that the NDP was going to be terrible, and then Jagmeet Singh did a little bit better than terrible so they celebrated it this time they were expected to do better and they did about the same well so this one did not live up to expectations i think it's telling when um yeah i get together with the same group of fellas on on a friday at the pub right Mm -hmm. and a great number of them are five seven seven eight nine ten fifteen years older than me but we all enjoy each other's company and and they tolerate me as being an extremely left-leaning individual. And they get that I am. Mm-hmm. But the beauty of it is we are adults, and they can listen to me rail, and they'll go, well, that's nice, Paul, but uh, what about this? And I go, yeah, that's a good point. You know, At the end of the day, we're always still friends, no matter what. And we're mm-hmm. good friends, but they know how left-leaning I am. And a couple of the guys that hang out with us are actual members of the conservative party, mm-hmm. provincially. Provincially, they're like, yeah, we can't be federal anymore because what the bloody hell is that? <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So here's how I know that times are changing when a, a number of these fellows who their entire lives have voted nothing but conservative. Mm-hmm. They were, they were um, uh, Joe Clark, uh, Brian Mulroney, conservatives, right? Mm-hmm. And now they voted NDP in this election. Which is like, what the heck is going on? And basically what it amounts to is this. They've come to the conclusion that um, this is not the conservative or progressive conservative party. This is the Reformicon party, and they can't get behind any of that. Because they're, they're, they're progressive conservatives, not reformers, and there's a huge difference. Oh yeah, there's absolutely a huge difference. I mean, it was a hostile takeover of the party. It absolutely was. Yeah. Um, so, they, to me, I find it absolutely amazing that both of these parties went into their respective war rooms and decided to run the exact same campaign, <clears throat> but from different directions. Um, the I don't, as I mentioned before, I don't understand why the NDP is not considering uh, serious, more seriously letting go of Mr. Singh. Uh because his gamble failed. Uh, They uh, diverted a lot of the money from the local campaigns to the federal campaign for his uh, brand identity uh, Mm -hmm. going Mm -hmm. on the fact that he was likable. And sure enough, he didn't end up up the campaign being less likable, I guess, in the eyes of Canadians, although he certainly went down a few notches in our esteem by the way he campaigned. Uh, But that likability didn't translate into much for him. Uh, Quebec is not happening for him, and it's not going to happen for him. Well, and you, sadly, you have to wonder why that is. 
we know why that is. Yeah, I'm just not going to say it. Right. But we do know why. So, but it's not happening for him. Quebec's not going to happen for him. Uh, they still missed the opportunity to make the hard pivot to attacking the conservatives to try for second place when the conservatives like started tripping all over themselves on guns. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, and on vaccine mandates, and then on killing the child care program. I mean, there were so many times where the flip, party flop, could flip, have flip flop, flip flop. Right? Yeah, there's so many times where the NDP could have turned around and just said, "See, they don't even deserve to be the opposition. They're a mess." Yeah, and they just they again. We said, I think we said it in the first, very first episode. It's like the Conservative Party was limping. All the NDP mm-hmm. had to do was catch the slowest gazelle. You know, it, we gave him a perfect handoff. There's the there's the the, the end zone. That there's nobody in front of you. You've got 20 yards to trot down the field and score a touchdown. And you drop the ball on the five. Yeah. <laughs> and there's nobody around. You you just dropped it. Nobody punched it out. You literally dropped the ball. Right. And that was the other thing that the NDP and the Conservatives had in common. That they had planned for 95 percent of a campaign, but there was nothing at the end. Nothing. Um, the the main problem with the NDP, the stereotypical problem, is the one that's associated with them is their finances, mm-hmm. and they released a platform that wasn't costed at the beginning, is and there was not very much substance to the policy. Uh, both of the parties did well in the beginning by releasing their platforms early because mm-hmm. the liberals basically took the first two weeks off or. Or were had their hands full with Afghanistan, depending right, on how right. you want to consider it, but weren't campaigning. No. Uh, and they had the advantage because they had some material to put out in the window. And you know, since the liberals weren't putting anything about out there, the media was talking about them. But they didn't have enough to sustain a 36-day campaign. They just petered out mm-hmm. somewhere along the way. Uh, and about two weeks in, when we, okay, well, you've already announced that, but we want to know, like, you know, where's what's the meat on the bones? And there was literally nothing. It was, it was one of those things I used to accuse the Harper government of doing was window dressing government, is that they would make a great announcement and they'd make a pretty storefront, but once you'd go in the store, there was no inventory. Yeah, none whatsoever. The shelves <laughs> were bare. <laughs> and it, where it, are we? North Korea? Like. Yeah, so um, the NDP, you know, when we were talking earlier about the Greens, how this election was set up for them to talk about all their issues. You had the IPCC report, you had the heat dome. People mm-hmm. were wondering if COVID had jumped from, you know, animals uh, to humans because, you know, we're encroaching too much on habitat. Uh, well, the same thing was there for the NDP as well, right? COVID showed us all the spots in our economy and our way of doing things that left Canadians vulnerable. Well, it, it, it revealed all the giant cracks in our social safety net that just, I mean, look, I, when it first happened, and, uh, you know, our, our employer, the CEO, just came up, pulled us all in for a big meeting. We'd been at home for two weeks. He pulled us in for a big mm-hmm. meeting. And he says, I have to lay everybody off effective March 31st. I have no choice. If I don't, there won't be a company to come back to. Yeah. This is before CERB and before CEWS. I was freaking out. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I have some savings, but I have a lot of bills. I just leased a new vehicle two months ago, mm-hmm. which I need for work. What the hell am I going to do? Yeah. And he's like, okay, so, you know, here's two weeks pay. You're paid till the end of the month and then take a week's vacation pay. Uh, and I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I'm talking to my parents. And then Serb came around and I'm like, okay. And they're like, apply for EI immediately. Mm-hmm. 
you know, it, he gave us, I think it was t uh, a week before the end of the month. Yeah. So we applied for EI, said our last day is effective March 31st. Uh, so I got a CERB check, uh, like the very next day mm -hmm. that it was like when it was announced the next day I had the CERB check in my account, thank goodness. And then I got one EI check and then we went back on payroll at uh, 80%. Okay. Cause of CEWS, but I was freaking out. Yeah. Well, we yeah. Have, we were too in our home. Uh, you know, it wasn't there wasn't so much a problem for me, but uh, you know, uh, my beaver sweetie, uh, mm -hmm. he was uh, finishing his PhD. Uh, school shut down, and uh, you know, in March, and he had to finish it all. Right. Uh, and uh, you know, while there was uh, some measures for students, were it not for the fact that he had TA'd the previous year just enough hours to qualify for Serb. Yeah, there would have been nothing, and and there was absolutely nothing for the graduating class. I mean, mm -hmm. where do you apply for a postdoc when you didn't know if universities were going to be teaching the following year? Where yeah. it's, it's there was the one place where the federal government really did let down the students was the graduating classes mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. specifically. Um, so yeah, we were we were wondering too, you know, and like I said, fortunately he qualified, you know, th by, I think like by five hours. Yeah, for so just like just under the wire. Yeah, TAs don't give you it doesn't give you a lot of hours no. for the over and, the course of a year. And didn't they change the qualification a little bit after that? They just made it easier because they realized there's still thousands of people that have no money coming in. That's what allowed them to to qualify was right. that when they when they gave I think the three hundred hours or two hundred hours like just banked for everyone. Yeah, and, yeah, and that's what allowed them to get over. So. You know, we had issues like uh, you, where was the discussion of a universal basic income or a guaranteed minimal income from the NDP? Where was the discussion of better working conditions? I mean, we're, we're seeing it right now uh, all over Canada and all over the United States. Workers are going on strike and they're taking advantage of this. Oh, John Deere? Uh, yeah, John Deere and, uh, you know, so some of the gig workers uh, and Quebec nurses. Uh, I think uh, a serial company too. Yes, yes. Right. And it's like, because they're... The, it, well, sorry, I didn't mean to cut no, you no, off ahead, there. Go ahead, go ahead. The serial company, I'm not going to name them for fear, but uh, <laughs> yeah. if they happen to hear this, and I, they can sue me into oblivion, I have nothing to take, so go nuts. But here's the thing. Uh, the serial company has given people seven-day work weeks, 12-hour shifts, uh, making them give up their vacation time to come into work. I'm mm -hmm. like, who the hell needs cereal that bad? Yeah. Like, <laughs> what the hell is going on? Yeah. So, but, you know, people are... They're, you know, we keep on saying, you know, as as the the provincial governments keep on saying, you know, we had to take Serb way because you know people are being paid to stay home and we have a you know labor shortage and you know other there's people no were saying shortage. it's not there's no labor shortage you just have you know a worker shortage. I mean, I'm sorry, like, all, all the all these women that used to work in the service industries and bars and whatnot, you know, because over the last year, do you think like some of them didn't learn to code? Yeah, exactly. They're tired of having their butts and their breasts grabbed when they're serving dinner. Like this, they found a way out. There's lots of people I know who left the service industry altogether because they were able to re-educate themselves when there was like, well, what else are you going to do, right? Yeah. So they were able to upgrade their skill set and find a better paying job. People get out of the service industry in this country because it's difficult to make it a career unlike, say, Europe, mm -hmm. where in Europe they, they place the uh, uh, revenue stream on the food. Yeah. And in North America, they place the revenue stream on the alcohol, which is fine and good. But if you're running a family-type restaurant, you need to accentuate the sales of food. So you ha your food margin should be higher 
and the, the alcohol margin can be whatever. But in Europe, you can go out and have dinner. Like a, a dinner for two could be like 40 euros. Mm-hmm. All taxes in. You don't tip because the employee is actually paid a living wage. Yes. Whereas here, you and I have to... Uh, um, subsidize. Thank you. Subsidize the, the wages of the uh, individual working there because our system is so broken that if you don't tip, they starve. Yeah. So there, you had all these issues, uh, and they didn't seem to be hammering on them. Instead of and instead of, and they didn't pivot to attack the conservatives. The NDP seems to have this um, chip on the shoulder, little brother complex mm-hmm. when it comes to the liberals. They Constantly keep, screaming, "Tax the rich!" Yeah, but which also, I'm fine with. But. But they seem to more be interested in wanting to defeat the liberals, whether or not that wins them an election, mm-hmm. than winning an election. <laughs> Or doing better. It, it just, it makes no sense to me because I mean, the Liberal Party is more aligned with the New Democratic Party than the Conservatives would ever be and then the, the Reformacons and yet NDP voted with the Reformacons and that's what I'm going to call them because they're not the Conservative Party of Canada, okay? And they want to sue me, go ahead, <laughs> right? But the Reformers. And, and, and again, like I said, the NDP should align themselves with the Liberal Party because the Liberal Party is more left-leaning now than they've ever been. Yeah. The Conservative Party is more right than it's ever been. Right-leaning, I should say, because right would indicate correct, and that's not what I think. Yeah. And, and I just don't get it. Like, the NDP voted, I think, 45 out of 47 times with the Conservatives against the Liberals. What, what, what is going on? Yeah, I just, like I said, I just... For me, the entire campaign from the NDP, rather than showing that they could be a potential government in waiting or anything like that, was just basically uh, the jilted lover. Yes. He never follows through. He always says he will, but he won't. He promises 30 words, but he'll always disappoint you. You need someone better. You need to get yourself a man who, you know, whatever. I, I, I don't get it. Yeah. I don't get it. It was, it, it was whiny. Very. It was whiny. <sighs> So, well, and, and I think in, 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 a, in a certain respect, both uh, the NDP and, and, and Reform Party effectively did a lot of campaigning on Justin Trudeau's behalf because they were always saying his name. Yeah. They couldn't, they couldn't be interviewed. They couldn't have a press conference. They couldn't do anything without mentioning his name every single time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, but what are you going to do for me? Stop telling me about what he did. I know what he did. Well, so I, guess I was always imagining like Justin Trudeau like going for a morning jog or doing yoga with headphones in with Mariah Carey singing, Why are you so obsessed with me? Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, I don't know if Mr. Singh has a second act. Uh, I, I really don't. Uh, no, I don't which so. is why I'm wondering why you still there. I know the NDP like to give their leaders a, a little extra time, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't see, like I said, I don't see where it's going to happen for him in Quebec. And so long as he is going to keep on being either the jilted lover or, you know, the little brother with a chip on his shoulder, you know, it's like, why does the liberals getting all the attention? Why is anybody paying attention to me? Uh, <sighs> <laughs> like, there's no, the, the, the whole, the NDP, tried has been like give credit to the ndp they've been trying stuff mm-hmm. so they had Mulcair. they tried like you know tried to do go a little more centrist and and it, but it didn't work for them under his leadership and you know with saying they're you know 
you know, a, a visible minority mm -hmm. uh, as a leader of a national party, which is like high time. Yes. Uh, you know, someone's personable, seems to be connecting with younger generations. But the it, it was, it's the wing of the party. The, nothing's ever good enough, ever fast enough, never enough mm -hmm. wing of the party. Like Our Lady of the Perpetually Dissatisfied. <laughs> and... It's, it's a good Catholic school. Yes. So, I mean, it's this is not it. Whatever the NDP needs to be, this is not it. They can't be the whiny party that says that nothing's ever good enough all the time and the guys that are doing something are, are not doing anything. Well, and you brought up the name of Thomas Mulcair, and that makes me beg the question, did he show us his true colors by siding with Aaron O'Toole and the Reformicon party in this election? Like, uh, you're former leader of the New Democratic Party of Canada, and you just threw your weight behind Aaron O'Toole? What? He's all over the place. What the hell, dude? He's all over the place. I'm sorry. That's Tom, Tom Mulcair, as far as I'm concerned, and I'm sorry for those who like them, but he's a lawyer mm -hmm. who successfully got sued in a defamation suit and nowhere during that suit did he know when to pull the ripcord <laughs> and actually got found guilty of defaming someone. Yeah. So I'm sorry, if you're a lawyer and you've defamed someone you've already just told me, not only will you say anything about anyone at any time to help yourself like this, but you're not smart enough to know when to get off the bus. So he's kind of like a greasy ambulance chasing lawyer. I just, I just, I'm sorry. Just like no respect. Mm -hmm. I just, I can't do that. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's for the NDP moving on to the conservatives. Oh Lord. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. That party's a mess. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't. I, mm. Rudderless would be a good term. Oh. Rudderless. Rudderless and uh, effectively leaderless. I know that, that they have a guy in charge, but, but is he really in charge? Yeah. Now, O'Toole's doing what we thought he would have to do right mm -hmm. as soon as the election whether he won or not was fighting hard to save his job <laughs> had he won he would have had to tack hard to the right mm -hmm. to try to save his job now he's losing and i mean he's you know he managed to finagle something so that the leadership review is not happening right 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 away and managed to get mr chen suspended mm -hmm. who was leading the challenge but he's Still, I do not understand this. Still on the wrong side of the vaccine mandate still, thing. Still, I guess. And now, like this, here's the thing, right? Is the conservatives have been calling for a long time for no more virtual parliament. Right. Right. Let's let's all go there. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. But also won't say who is vaccinated and who isn't fully vaccinated. Now, some of them aren't fully vaccinated on their own. Some of them are not disclosing their status out of some kind of weird solidarity with them, but there's about 40 or so right. MPs, you know, that we don't know what their status is. Uh, so you want your MPs to absolutely go to parliament. Your MPs will not be able to go to parliament because there's not just MPs there. There's house of Commons staff. There's right. other constituents that you agree you enter, uh, engage with. There's the people that come and watch, uh, in the gallery. There's uh, journalists and all of them, anybody who accesses parliament will have to be double vaccinated. Correct. Right. Uh, but I keep it, hearing people bring up the, this is a violation of their rights. I'm like, no, it's a requirement of their employment that their health records are up to date. Yeah. So simple. Yeah. Uh, now there's some 
legal talk about things that are conditions of your employment once you once you take the job and things that become a condition of your employment once you're already in the job. Right. Uh, apparently, there are some labor rules that say that you don't have to adhere to new conditions of the job that happen while you're already in it. But this also happens to be, I mean, if you're in court, this happens to be a public health emergency that has killed over 5 million people. Globally, Although, yeah. I think the judge is pretty much going to err on the side of public safety. This is not the sniffles. I don't think, yeah, I I, I don't think I'm going far out on the limb. No, no, no. Um, I'd be surprised if any judge went against that. I'd be really surprised. Right. So, but here's the thing. So you want everybody to be in parliament, but you don't want any virtual parliament whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So now the people can't get in and now they can't represent their constituents because you don't want them to participate by Zoom. But even if all that was taking place, how is your conservative MP from the interior of BC actually going to get to Ottawa because they're not vaccinated? They can't get on the plane. Can't get on a plane or a train. So they can take that seven-day drive. They they didn't really think this one through. No. Like, not at all. And I mean, it's like, so long as this is your stance as a leader, you have just basically, I mean... We're getting close. We're getting close to ninety percent of Canadians who are eligible currently for having a vaccine getting it. Correct. Which one shot? Ninety percent of the population is on the opposite side of the argument as you. Yeah. And he needs to keep on sticking his neck out that far because of that wing of the party. Mm-hmm. That's just. Well, it, it's just cut going bait. To, it's going to it's going to uh, disintegrate the party. You gotta cut bait. Let the PPC have them. Yeah, cut bait. Agreed. Agreed. Cut bait. It, let the PPC have them. So long as you try to save them, you are not a serious party. Like this, right? You will not even be considered as a viable option. No, and I mean, but it, you know, it begs the question: or how how um, in line with party policies are those MPs, right? Yeah. Are, are they are they more are they ready to cross the floor to well they can't cross the floor in this sense but you know defect and go join the People's Party of Canada they can't cross the floor because there's no seats to be had yeah so you know were they to j- just say okay I'm resigning my position with the Conservative Party they can't join the PPC they would have to be independent until the next election correct me if I'm wrong I'm not sure how the parliamentary procedure yeah they would is. probably have to be a citizen independence yeah because well uh, actually no they could probably sit under the banner if they wanted to because I think I, I, I believe someone had done that from the Green Party once okay uh, before Elizabeth May I, I think had gotten a seat I think somebody switched his affiliation okay yeah so I, I, I think you can I mean it, you're the MP so you get to choose I suppose so whether yeah. whether or not but uh, yeah so I, there doesn't have to be someone in the PBC itself for okay, someone they to don't cross need the to have any seats. Okay. yeah um, so yeah I don't I, it's it, the party's a mess mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't see how Aaron O'Toole survives in this job I think he's just, it's it's just a, a slow crawl to the death because there's Anything that he will do to try and be relatively moderate is going to just get people's backs up, and that's not going to change for him. Uh, And the party is even more of a regional rump now than it was before. I mean, it's got some more seats in Atlantic Canada than it had before, so it's a little more of a national party this way. But of the 155 writings in Montreal, Toronto, and Vancouver, mm-hmm. it has obtained only eight yeah. seats and has obtained zero seats in the 68 
uh, electoral districts with the highest populations. Wow. They that are should tell you something. Really, really rural and like maybe a tiny bit of suburbs, but they're literally wiped out. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, 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 I don't, don't, don't know what happens to this party. And, and, and on top of that, there's no bench strength. I mean, who, who's in the wings? Mm-hmm. Let's come up next. Leslie Newis? Pierre Poliev? Oh, you know how I feel about that uh, guy. I just... <sighs> Leslin Lewis, wouldn't she be more in line with Maxime Bernier's PPC party? I mean, really? Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, uh, I doubt McKay would want to come back. Although, you know what, I don't... <laughs> no, good point, but I, now I'm thinking about Leslin Lewis, and although she might be in line with Maxime Bernier in a lot of respects, Maxim would be pretty hard-pressed on her and her her um, views on a woman's right to make a health an informed health decision mm-hmm. because maxim although i can't stand the man i will show him respect in this respect mm. in this instance i'll show him respect in this instance and it's that he does not feel he has the right to tell a woman mm-hmm. what kind of a health choice she should make yeah he doesn't and i can respect that right i mean hey look a broken clock is right twice a day yeah. so i'll give him the respect in that area everything else i can't stand the man but he has been uh, uh, very vocal about that fact. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think he would want her as part of his party because she fly- that flies in the face of his his uh, hands off, right? Yeah, yeah. So I I, I don't and, and this problem with the conservatives is not only with the federal party now. I mean, it's all over, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Kenny's a disaster in Alberta. <laughs> uh, Scott Moe's a big disaster in Saskatchewan <laughs> at the moment. Right. Uh, you know, they're going to be sending in the military there too now. Uh, Somebody playing, brought up Scott Moe's tweet from last May. We're not going with the federal plan. We've got our own Saskatch- yeah. made in Saskatchewan plan. It's going to be successful. Yeah, we're not going to have a Trudeau summer. It's o- like, oops. Yeah, bitch. <laughs> yeah. I bet you, I bet you, a box of Timbits. You'd wish you were having a Trudeau fall, though, weren't you? Yep. Aren't you? Eh? Yep. Because mm. mm. uh, I mean, look at us in the province of Ontario. Yeah, we're doing really well. We're doing well. And again, I'm no fan of Doug's, but I'm a big fan of Dr. Kieran Moore. Yes. <laughs> and the fact that Ford was intelligent enough this time. This time. He he. You know, prior to this, he's like, no, 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 no. And this time, he's like, yeah, I'm going to listen because. This is going to get out of control real fast. Except that he's now saying like, because we have always taken this pandemic very seriously. And I'm sorry, but I'm old enough to remember how the third wave got started. Yeah. I guess, and for you know, people whose memories like don't have that much amnesia, we're able to remember the long-term care centers in the first wave. The iron ring around those care centers. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. Doug, say what you mean. I'm putting an iron ring around the shareholders of the care centers. <laughs> And to hell with the meat in the grinder within that care center. And a rubber dinghy around the center. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really, you can't even sue the long-term care centers. You can't sue them anymore. He made it illegal to do that. You know damn well that uh, Andrea Horvath or or even S- Dean Del, Luc- Del Stel- Duca. Steve, yeah. Steve Del Duca, sorry. Yeah. Dean Del Duca, who the hell is that? Uh, Steve, uh, they're going to change that whoever gets in in the next election. I don't know who's going to get in next, but I know it's not going to be Doug Ford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd be shocked out of my mind if he got reelected. Yeah. Like, shocked out of my mind. Yeah. So, I mean, the the entire conservative movement is a mess right now. So there's not even anybody from the provinces who could come up 
<laughs> be called up right. from the farm teams, right? So, uh, like now, O'Toole's like trying to put it on a big face and saying, you know, he doesn't have a sword of Damocles hanging over his head and everything's mm-hmm. fine. But I mean, the party did give itself the right to put his leadership review in place way before 2023, right. which is something they've done for no other leader before. So that seems to be the very definition of a sword of Damocles hanging you above think? your head. Yes. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm not sure what happens for the, the conservatives uh, at this point on. I'm not sure how long uh, it is that uh, Aaron O'Toole could uh, tread water. Uh, but uh, you know what? Um, good luck to you, buddy. <laughs> uh, Storn away, he will be evicting him soon, I think. Yeah, yeah. Which brings us to the liberals. Uh, you know, they didn't get the majority, that's true, but they did overall with their gamble. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're certainly no worse, right? So they have a four seat gain from dissolution. Uh, they're the party that's gained the most seats. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trudeau was not punished. Right. Uh, you know, he wasn't rewarded, but he certainly wasn't punished. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has a stronger minority mm-hmm. than he had, so you know, that's not uh, that's not terrible. Uh, you know, he might have got maybe might have gotten his majority if it wasn't for Sachi Curl. Mm-hmm. He might have just gotten it. You never know, but he's he's not in danger. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, now he has an interesting issue with cabinet, which we will talk about in our, our next show because he has to replace four women and they've gone on the record as uh, saying that they are going to continue with a uh, gender parity. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the question will be is whether or not uh, the prime minister is going to be signaling by his cabinet whether or not he intends to maybe stick around for a fourth election and run again, or whether or not he's going to start preparing a succession. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, we all know it's very obvious that, you know, I, I don't know if you can see he's grooming Christian Freeland because, I mean, she came pretty much pre-groomed. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, he's certainly making it such that if there are any other pretenders to the leadership other than she, that they're not getting very much spotlight. Well, I, I think she would make a magnificent liberal leader, and I think she would be a great prime minister. Well, absolutely. She's not one to be trifled with. I mean, the KGB had a file on her because they were afraid of her. Yeah. They had a great deal of respect for her, for her leadership abilities when she was in the Ukraine, like, what, 25, 30 years ago, something yeah. like that? So, you know, if the KGB is afraid of you yeah, because she is going to uh, strip away their uh, dictatorial powers, mm-hmm. that should tell you something about what this woman is dedicated to and how serious of a contender she is. Mm-hmm. And I'm noticing that since the election, she's been front and center a whole lot more. A lot. Right? A lot. So, um, so that, you know she deserves it and you know and and you know it's the third go around for this government so mm-hmm. i mean there's so there has to be some people he's depending on so that's why i'm 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 wondering if there's we're going to see more of a team uh we're going to see you know we saw during the election at one point uh, one of the election commercials was actually read by bill blair the one that they did on guns right oh yes as yes, opposed yes, to yes, the leader yes. so that you know there's going to be some people i 
So yeah, and one of the things that we'll look, I mean, we'll talk about this more in our, in our issue about the cabinet itself, but you know, we have people in the cabinet like Lawrence McCauley and Mark Garno and uh, Carolyn Bennett, uh, who are more elder people in the party, who maybe Justin Trudeau would have been important for him to put in in this first cabinet and mm-hmm. the second cabinet because he was younger and they were wondering. But now that he's seasoned, I mean, he's the, gene, the dean of the G7 uh, leaders now, right? Oh yeah. So, um, you know, maybe he doesn't need them anymore, and maybe that would give an opportunity to put some fresher faces that starts fostering some renewal. So, or maybe, you know, he's going to want to go for some stability and keep those people in, right? Uh, who so, knows? so we don't tell. know, but but there's going to be a lot of obviously spe- speculation uh, on, on this when he's preparing his cabinet. Oh yeah. Um, uh, from the campaign uh, itself, uh, you know, the things that we talked about him, he, he was true to his uh, uh, good EQ, mm-hmm. uh, to his ability to campaign, uh, you know, even though a lot of people didn't seem to be impressed with him during the debates, he actually did debate excellently in these ones. Yes. Uh, well, despite the English language debate, which was a complete fiasco, but let's... Yeah. I mean, that was... Yeah, it wasn't watchable. Yeah, I I had the benefit of being able to watch all the interventions in French as well, right? Of which there were more numerous ones, so yeah. he got to do. Uh, you know, I got to get a, a better assessment than people who only got to see the English debate itself. Mm-hmm. Um, the liberals have conquered the urban market, uh, the urban market, and even the suburban. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they've t- they took, I, I believe, almost all the seats. Uh, I'm, I think the NDP must have gotten it. Well, the NDP didn't get any in Toronto either. No, they didn't. Um, and uh, also, uh, I looked. Uh, I had looked it up, and uh, Ruth Ellen Brosseau did not win uh, in Quebec. We thought well, that she had. Oh, they called it early, yeah. but she, yeah, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. It wasn't. It, it was close. It was like fourteen thousand something votes to thirteen thousand something votes, but she ultimately did not uh, get it. So wow. the, their only MP is Alexandre Boulris, who's also a very good MP in Quebec, but uh, Jagmeet Singh didn't seem to give him any. Uh, That's uh, a surprise. Any platform whatsoever. That's a surprise because she uh, she was the constituents' MP. Yep. Yep. I wonder what. Do you think maybe it was because? of the lack of direction on the NDP leader's part that people who wanted to vote for her were afraid to because they thought... Ah. I don't know, but it, 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 on this one, it could have very well just been the ground, ground game, the fact that the, the funds that should have been going to get yeah. out the vote were diverted to the, the National Party. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, with that much difference, it, it, I think it was definitely fewer than 2,000 votes. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, so yes, uh, four cabinet ministers are gone. Uh, Catherine McKenna, who took her retirement, mm-hmm. uh, Minister of Fisheries and Oceans and the Canadian Coast Guard, Bernadette Jordan, uh, which is one that I missed when I said people who deserved to not, uh, be reelected, right. uh, because of what, what, what happened with the Mi'kmaq fisheries mm-hmm, out, in, mm-hmm. out in the East coast. Mi'kmaq. Mi'kmaq, sorry. It's okay. Yes. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's okay. Yes. Well, one's, one's the people and one's the descriptive and. Thank you. Thank you for the no, correction. No there. problem. Uh, but, you know, she she was unimpressive mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had uh, the Minister for Women and Gender Equality, Miriam Monsef. Uh, and that probably, that you know, her, her gaffe of referring she, yeah. to, 
detail. Yeah, she torpedoed herself. <laughs> I understood what she was trying to do. Yeah. But a vast number of the populace would not get that. No, no, no. You have to know your audience for yes. that. Yes, she shot herself in the foot. Yeah. And then Minister of Seniors, Deb Schultz, who by all accounts is a very, very lovely woman and very engaged. Just, but we just had a COVID pandemic where seniors were like the big thing and I never saw her once. Yeah. So I'm yeah, not surprised she that, lost. Yeah. There's no surprise there. Um, so, uh, you know, the liberals... Uh, When you're looking at polling, mm -hmm. uh, you know, people are talking about cost of living because, you know, right now we're talking about inflation. Right. And, uh, you know, we're talking about still the pandemic. We want to get out of it. But the environment is right there. Well, if, uh, you would, if you would pay attention, if anybody was paying attention last week to Aaron O'Toole, it would be, uh, according to him and Pierre Polyev, by the way, according to those two, uh, inflation is totally Justin Trudeau's fault. Oh, yeah. As is the uh, labor shortage, which we all know doesn't exist. Yes. And uh, the supply chain issues, all Justin Trudeau's fault. Yeah. Not to mention the price of oil going through the roof. Yes. It's all his fault. Yes. And the conservatives can fix it. But what, you, you what think the conservatives would be happy with the price of oil going through the roof finally? You would think. But no, all they do is complain. I'm like, <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. Doesn't that mean jobs in Alberta? No, no, no. You, that's not the point. It's Just, like, pick a lane, man. <laughs> again... Our they just lady, need to be contrarian. Our lady of the perpetually dissatisfied. Yeah. That's what the, like I said, both parties are the same. Yes. At the moment. Um, so yeah, so uh, the liberals have uh, a lot of uh, policies and, and plans uh, to work on stuff like, for example, like, like child care and things mm -hmm. for the environment. Uh, but we haven't heard uh, a very strong economic policy uh, direction from them mm -hmm. uh, yet, which uh, I believe that there's a lot of people that are going to start asking for, not so much for, you know, are we going to do austerity and, and all that kind of stuff, but there's been a lot of money spent, you know, in the last little while. Yes. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, as Minister Freeland has been saying, uh, you know, recently announced, you know, there, there are some changes to the subsidy programs right now. And, you know, she's made a point, you know, about pivoting from pandemic to prosperity. Right. Uh, so, you know, they've, they've got the lines down. Although uh, I, I do, I do have to question one thing. I, I watched the press conference the other day because I was working nights this past week. So I was able to watch it live. Mm -hmm. And as I understood, one of the things they're going to be doing is giving money to businesses and then hoping businesses will pass it on to the employees, which yeah. I was like, what? Wait, huh? I know, I know. It, did I hear her correct on that? It's like, you know damn well, that's not going to happen. Yep. It won't happen. Yep, yep. It's so, the wrong way to go about doing it, and that was disappointing to me because I have a great deal of respect for her, but I think she blew it in this case. Mm. She, she kowtowed to the, the corporate overlords mm. and handed them exactly what they wanted. Mm -hmm. And what happens to the rest of us? Well, we'll have to see. But yeah, um... So yeah, it, you know, I will call it the way I see it. Oh, yeah. And the way I see it was, that was a huge mistake on their part. Yeah. And I don't know if it's giving the impression that they seem to be pivoting hard away from any possibility of some type of UBI yeah, or guaranteed yeah. minimum income, which is very disappointing. Well, did you see uh, Stephen, Stephen DeLuca wants to do a four-day work week and a UBI uh as a test in Ontario. And I'm like, well, we, here, uh, here's the test. We had CERB, we know it works. 
there you go. Yeah, and of course we've had uh, to go along with that uh, the the Canadian Nobel uh, yes, winner in economics raise the minimum wage. Look what it does. It doesn't it doesn't eliminate jobs. Right. So um, so like I said the 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 two things that I find that the liberals are still missing is like some, some real solid talk, you know, Paul Martin style, solid mm-hmm. talk on, on the economy, the budget, where we're going. And they need, I mean, they've already, they dominate the cities, they dominate the suburbs. The liberals really need a rural strategy. They do. Like this, the road to a majority no longer goes through Quebec. No. The road to a majority is going to go through rural Canada. Mm-hmm. And if liberals can find a way to start snagging some seats in rural Canada away from the conservatives... Well, I mean, if you start getting into southwestern Ontario, Lake Huron, that area, yeah. right? That's all conservative. Yeah. And it has been for decades. It's not going to change anytime soon amongst the boomers, but you, you can get the Gen X, the millennials, and Gen Z if you pursue them with policies that will be beneficial to them. Yeah. The boomers, are, you're not changing their minds. It's yeah. not happening. They're fixed and that's it. So don't go after them. Yeah. I think it's pointless to do so. You know, and they're not going to be supporting you for a whole lot longer anyway, because they're 75 and up. Yeah. Yeah. So that's basically how I see what could be happening over the next months where our parties are positioned, what we could be looking for in uh, the coming weeks. There's probably not going to be too much activity before the new year uh, in that, uh, I believe, uh, Oh, what what's happening on the? I can't. I just I just escaped my mind. Something's happening on October twenty sixth, and November, then November twenty second. I believe the speech from the thrones November twenty second. I think so. And the cabinet's going to be named October twenty sixth. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah. Uh, because the governor general is away in Europe, and she she needs to be there. So it's a, it's about week late a week later uh, than some people would have uh, hoped. Um, but yeah. We're getting ready uh, for uh, the, the return of Parliament. There's still some mysteries. What's going to happen? Uh, will, uh, will the Conservatives be participating virtually or not? Uh, we don't know. <laughs> we don't know. It's going to be an interesting session uh, and uh, to see what the government's going to prioritize as uh, its first bills because also, you know, if it's a minority parliament and if we assume the possibility of another only 18-month then the gov- the things that are priority for the government are going to be the things that they want to you know be on the order paper right mm-hmm. off the bat in the first year year and a half. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, uh, kids. I think that's the the end of this episode. Uh, if uh, you are, I do not know what to say. <laughs> that's okay. It happens to the best of us at times. We just lose our train of thought. It's called getting older, my friends. <laughs> it happens to all of us. It's like when I walk into a room, five minutes ago, it's like, I got to go into the next room to pick this thing up. And I walk into the room, what the hell did I come in here for? Have you seen my glasses? You mean the ones on your head? Yeah, that, that, you had one of those moments. You just had one. Yeah. It's okay. Don't worry about it. I wanted to go somewhere, and as soon as I took my first step, I forgot where I wanted to go. It happens, man. <laughs> And here's the best part. Enjoy it. It's going to continue to happen for the rest of your life. But it's all downhill from here. And people go, oh, that's, yeah, it's all downhill from here as if that's a bad thing. I say, no, no, all downhill from here is a good thing. It took you years of walking up to the top of the hill. Now you get on the other side, you get on the toboggan and you go, wee. <laughs> oh, man. 
Um, so, kids, that's the end of our episode. Uh, and I do not have a graceful exit, so I'm just going to hand it to Mr. Grizzly for some <laughs> words of wisdom. Well, words of wisdom. Be kind, be caring, be compassionate, and find something in your life to be grateful for. Because I guarantee you, there is something for you to be grateful for. You might have to look a little bit harder than normal, but gratitude and having an attitude of gratitude will carry you a very far distance in life. So be kind, caring, compassionate, and grateful, and we'll have ourselves a much better world. I completely and totally agree. Uh, Let's just be mindful and uh, put some good vibes out there. All right. We invite you to join us for our next episode where we'll talk a little bit more about the cabinet. Thank you for joining us this week. The True North Eager Beaver podcast is an Eager Beaver Mr. Grizzly collaboration. Copywritten by The Eager Beaver. Recording, production, editing by Mr. Grizzly. Music courtesy of Ben Sound Royalty Free Music. Once again, thank you to our founding sponsors, The Pepper Master, The Miss Fee Mysteries from Corvid Moon Publishing, and CanadianTarot.com. Hello, kids. It's Mr. Grizzly, your friendly neighborhood grizzly bear, who is asking you how much you like this program. And I'm asking you if, well, you like this show, you like what you hear, and we're happy to do this for you, if you'd be willing to, you know, throw us a couple of bucks as a tip. And the reason we do this, the reason we ask this question is because there are some production costs involved. We're happy to give this to you, but, you know, feel free to send us a couple of dollars over uh, coffee.com. And now the website is ko dash fi.com backslash eager beaver dollar two dollars 50 cents whatever whatever you can spare it helps us with our production costs mr beaver that's right mr grizzly Uh, if you go to our coffee page the recommended donation is three dollars but it can really be anything you want um less or more if you happen to like this show especially um we reinvest uh, in the show. Uh, as you can tell, uh, the sound quality has improved since uh, episode one. And uh, you know, we want to see where this show can go. Uh, hopefully we can maybe get some correspondence uh, one day, um, maybe film it uh, for YouTube. Uh, if uh, you guys have any suggestions of what you'd like to see the show become, of course, those are always welcome uh, because you know we do this for you. Um, so yeah, uh, every little bit helps. And of course, if you can't afford anything and you just like the show, then please, you know, that's quite all right. Send us some comments. Let us know what you think of it. Uh, that means just as much to us too. And don't forget the website, www.ko-fi.com backslash eager beaver. Thanks, eh? Hi, I'm Emily Roger, and I host a leadership show called The Boiling Point with my co-host, Dave Vale. Together, we sit down with trailblazing entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers who are driving meaningful change in our world. The show is all about exploring the lives and perspectives of leaders who are making a difference. Join us for insightful conversations that challenge the status quo, spark new ideas, and inspire you to take action. Find us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or at BoilingPointPodcast.com.